Welcome to Creepy Crime, a podcast where two friends tell each other creepy stories. My name's Allie. And I'm Creighton. And we're here to share with you guys some amazing crimes today. I don't know what yours is, Allie, but I'm super excited about mine. Mine's another disappearance, because that's kind of my thing lately. Oh, is it? Yeah. Mine is a mystery. Mm. An unsolved mystery. Well, mine's an unsolved disappearance. Kind of. Kind of. The unsolvable crimes. I love it. Uh, So, how was your week been? It was okay. I, you know, finally got my kitchen drawer fixed after I yelled at some people, which isn't always the best, but it happened and it worked. (laughs) Oh, don't you hate having to deal with other humans? Ghost got over her cold, so that's good. Oh, and just to clarify, that's your cat. Yeah, that's the big one. But then she scratched her eye, so I don't know what really happened there, but I think she's better now. (laughs) Well, cool. Uh, (laughs) What about you? I don't know. You know, it's we're recording this at Christmas time because we have to record early so that we can edit our uh, shows and all. But I, I'm going to be honest. I'm ready for the holidays to be over already because I'm really tired of rude people who are just in such a rush they can't slow down and be kind for a minute. Um, See. I thought you were going to t- talk about Mara, your dog's false pregnancy. But you know, rude people, that counts too. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I believe in women's rights, and Mara has a right to her privacy, okay? She can <laughs> lactate as much as she wants. That's not my business. Even if she doesn't have puppies. Oh, she's standing up looking at me. See, now she's mad. I'm sorry, Mara. <laughs> oh. So, uh,. Would you I think like it's to get your a turn? Is it? I think so. I think I went last first last time. Okay. I can do that. So I've got a question for you. Uh-huh. Have you ever heard of Hinterkaifeck? No. Alright, awesome. So <laughs> this farmstead is located outside of Munich about an hour. And it's behind the town of Kaifek, which is where the word hinter comes from. And it's a farm owned by a private family. Okay. So, this farm was home to 35-year-old Victoria Gable, Gabriel and her two children, 7-year-old Castella and 2-year-old Joseph, as well as her elderly parents, Andreas and Cazilia Gruber. And they lived in Germany, they worked on the farm, and they really kept to themselves a whole lot. The only one who really left the um, the farm except to go to church often was the little girl. So, on April the 1st... Wait, wait, wait. So the little huh? girl would leave by herself to go to church? No, no, no. The whole family goes to church. The little girl goes to school. And oh, okay. so she leaves more often than the other family members. Okay. Right, because the other family members all attend church together. Okay, that makes more sense. Right, so, on April the 1st, 1922, Casalia, the little girl, Casalia, who was named after her grandmother, she missed school. And then, the following day of church, the entire family failed to show up for church. So then, on April the 3rd, 
the, mm-hmm. she missed school again. And the post office noticed that all the mail had started to pile up. So That's on weird. April the 4th, 1922, the family's neighbors decided to investigate. Lawrence Schlutschenberger, a farmer who lived nearby who has now had a butchered name, led the search party over to the farm. So okay. here's what they saw when they got to the barn. In the barn, they found four brutally battered bodies covered in the hay. Inside the house, they discovered the bodies of the two-year-old Joseph and the maid, Maria Baumgartner. And it had been the maid, Maria's first day on the job, the day that she had started. So the previous maid had abandoned her post due to a fervent belief that the house and farm were haunted. So about a hundred years have passed now and they still don't know who did this just horrible murder of this entire family they slaughtered everyone oh no right so the reports from the family's autopsies were conducted by the court physician dr joanne baptiste amour i don't know how to say that last name these german names really i struggle with them uh paint a horrifying picture of their injuries the elder Gazala showed signs of strangulation and seven blows to the back of the head, which left her with a cracked skull. The face of her husband, Andreas, was caked with blood, and his cheekbones protruded from the shredded flesh of his face. Victoria's skull was so uh, was also smashed, and her head showed a nine star-shaped wounds, and the right side of her face had been hit with a blunt object. And the younger Castalia's lower jaw had been shattered and her face and neck covered in gaping circular wounds. That's not good. Right. So it's thought that the uh, grandparents and the mother likely died instantly from their injuries. And they think that the injuries came from a mattock, which is a pickaxe-like tool used for digging and chopping in the farm. Mm-hmm. And so... The autopsy found that the younger Casalia likely remained alive and in shock for several hours after her attack, and it showed that she had ripped her own hair out in clumps. Oh my god. Right. So, inside the farmhouse, the little boy and the maid, um, they had been killed in a similar fashion. So, Maria was killed by crosswise blows to the head in her chambers and Joseph by a heavy blow to the face in his cot in Victoria's room. Mm -hmm. So, whoever killed this family took a pickaxe to the face of a two-year-old child. That's so sad. Yep. And, like the bodies in the barns, theirs were also covered. Maria's was covered with her bedsheets, and Joseph's was covered with one of his mother's dresses. And the farm animals and the Pomeranian watchdog had remained unharmed. In fact, here's the worst part about it. It seemed that when the people had came to check on the family, mm-hmm. somebody had been taking care and fed all the animals in the several days that the family had been dead. That's so weird. Right, so someone had stayed behind on the farm and had taken care of the animals. Not okay. Nope. So, the police eventually thought that it was just like people traveling through because travelers were more likely to be violent in their theory. Yeah, um, but then who was feeding the animals? 
Right. But see, they got rid of this theory after they found that the house still had a lot of money left in it, like in hiding places. So it's not like the house was robbed. This wasn't a robbery. Someone slaughtered a whole family and didn't take anything that we know of. That's really weird. Right. And they say that beside the bodies themselves, the hay stack that had been put over the adults and the little girl, and the uh, the bed sheet that had been used to cover the maid, nothing mm -hmm. else had been disturbed in the entire house. Even though the killer had stayed there eating the meals, lighting fires in the hearth, or the fireplace, and feeding the animals. That's so, weird. the police tracked down the maid who had quit right before this happened to ask her why she believed that the property was haunted. And she said that she had come to the conclusion after constantly hearing sounds in the attics and experiencing unsettling feeling of being watched even when she was alone. Ooh, I don't like that. Nope. So she had tried to tell the grandfather, Andreas, but he didn't believe her. But he had confided in his neighbors, the same ones who had went to check on him, that there had been some strange things happening in the months and weeks uh, preceding the murder. So, like, he found a newspaper that he did not buy, and it was found inside of his home. And there, he said, he told the neighbors, like, no one else can verify this because it was him saying it. But he said that there had been a step of footsteps that were discovered leading from the forest, which was at the edge of the farm. And it led right up to the window that looked into the kitchen. But there was no tracks leading back to the wood. Right. And it, obviously in this town, it snows a lot. Because it's April the 1st, and there was still snow on the ground. So, he had asked around, but nobody at the Hinterkaifeck farm knew who the footprints had belonged to. Weird. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, about a week before the murder, Andreas lost his key to the house. He didn't know where it went. He said that he had left it in the same place he always left it, but it had disappeared. When the family started searching, they discovered that two of the keys to their house had disappeared. So, either someone had stolen the keys, or the family just all became very, very bad at keeping up with their stuff all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So, this combined with the footsteps from the woods, the sounds in the attic, and the smoking chimneys, all suggest that there was somebody there. Yeah. So... There was a lot of suspicion about this because the police had decided that it was probably someone who knew the family. Makes sense. So they started looking around town because, turns out, Andreas, the grandfather, was an asshole. Plain and simple. So, uh, they had a few different dis they had a few different suspicions about who the suspect could have been. So, they started off with the mother, Victoria. Mm -hmm. She was a widow whose husband had died in World War I, and a lot of the town believed that the father of her son was an actual mystery. Mm -hmm. So, which mean, would make sense, because she's a widow and her husband had been dead long before the baby had been conceived. But there were rumors running around town. She had told people that she had had a relationship with Lawrence Schlesenberger, that's the man who led the party to the house. Okay. 
and they had both agreed that the child was their baby. But that did not stop the town from talking, because that's not how small towns work. No, we both live in small towns. We know that. Right. So, they had both planned to get married, and everybody believed they were going to get married, until Victoria's father, Andreas, started walking around town telling people that their relationship had ended. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, the man married someone else. And he and his wife had a baby that died a few weeks after it was born. Okay. So, there is also another theory that the baby may not have been his. Turns out a lot of people in the town thought that Victoria's baby could have been Andreas's. That's good. Yeah, as in her father. So, no one quite knows who Joseph's father was. That's another mystery that's within this mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, they theorized, The police theorized, when they had Lawrence as a suspect, that he was traumatized by the death of his baby and unwilling to pay child support for Joseph. He had come to the farm, which was literally the next farm over from his own, and had murdered Victoria and her family. But this theory was bolstered by the fact that those with him during the initial investigation has found his behavior suspicious. They said that he had acted mm-hmm. nonchalant, viewing and handling the bodies without the sign of repulsion. Which, he also knew his way around the entire farm. Which, I'm going to say, growing up in a small town with farm, it's not uncommon for you to know your way around your neighbor's property. It's Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, Right, like, I don't know if we just grew up a different experience than most people, but I knew the layouts of most of the people around me's house. Like, even though the people I had known had moved out, I still knew the layout of the house because I'd been there before with the previous owners. Know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, The police tried to talk to him, but they couldn't find anything that placed him at the crime scene. Okay. So, they thought that his behavior, if he was not guilty, could also be explained by being in shock. Okay. So, I mean... And it's possible, especially if he did think that Victoria's baby was his. Mm-hmm. I could see him finding, like, losing a child with his current wife and knowing that he did have a son alive next door and then finding that baby dead also might take a toll on on you mentally. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. Right. So, with him out of the way... The police had another theory. They thought it might be Victoria's husband, Carl Gabriel. Oh, no. So they theorized that he didn't actually die in World War I. And that for some reason, these years after World War I, he had come back and killed them all. Okay. Do they have like, anything to, like, follow that up with, though? Nope. Nothing at all. Okay. Now... Here's my favorite theory. Mm-hmm. That uh, I told you that many people thought that Joseph was actually a child of Victoria and her own father, Andreas. Yeah. So, the police also had a theory after her ex-husband not panning at, or I guess he's not her ex-husband, but her dead husband's theory didn't work out. They thought that Andreas might have killed the entire family and then beat himself to death 
with the matlock. But... I don't think it's physically possible for you to beat yourself to death. Right. So, those were their three main theories. Okay. And it's been reopened several times mm -hmm. throughout the, um, the years, and no one's ever been able to find it. Like, figure out who did it. Now, I think we agree that out of the three most likely, it is the neighbor. The neighbor is the most likely one to have done it out of the three theories they had. Yeah. But there is another new theory that has come from the book called The Man on the Train. Have okay. you heard of the book? Possibly. It's been, men it's been mentioned in several crime podcasts such as uh, My Favorite Murder and all. Okay. And basically it postulates this theory. Have you ever heard of the Louisiana Axeman? Yes. So, basically, there was a spate of murders over a few years here in America mm -hmm. to where there was a, um, to where families were slain in their house with a pickaxe. Uh, well, with an axe, with a pickaxe, with other farm tools that were already at the house. Yeah. And the most prevalent theory by people who think that all of these are connected is that one man was riding the railroad lines and would stop off in towns, commit these murders, hop back on the railroad lines, and before the police could catch wind, they were gone again. Mm-hmm. Well, the man who wrote the book, The Man from the Train, Yeah. he has a theory, and he had, he's done his careful research, mm-hmm, but there are some gaps, but he has a theory that the Hinterkaifeck murder might have been one of the first murders of a German serial killer who, when fleeing from the law, came to America and started up his murder spree here and became the Louisiana Axe Man and so on and such forth. Okay, so I think I have heard of this theory. I didn't know it started with that family. Well, I figured you had heard of the theory yeah. of the Axe Murderer, mm -hmm. but I didn't know if like, I mean, to me, it seems like a real stretch. Yeah, because that's just... Even reading his evidence, it still sounds like a stretch. Because what year did this happen? This happened in 1922. So he would have had to have taken a boat. I mean, that that is how people traveled, yes. So I just don't imagine this random guy taking a boat to America and then somehow traveling his way to Kentucky. Well... See, here's the thing. If he had came to America mm -hmm. by boat, because the 1920s were a huge time for Europeans coming to the United States. Okay. And we were the land of opportunity. There were a shit ton of boats headed this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that being said, it is possible that a German citizen looking to flee the law had hopped on a boat and came to America... And now, once you're in America, the main way of travel back then, because most people did not own private cars and buggies and horses and all, was trade. would have been to write. And if you were a poor immigrant who may not have had a skill that was found worthy in the area that you had landed in mm -hmm. after Ellis Island, it's possible that you would become a bum and start riding the rails. That's true. Because you have to realize that America, like it was the Roaring Twenties, there was plenty of time and 
opportunities. But by the time that the uh, murder started up in uh, Louisiana and Kentucky, we were starting to head into the Great Depression. So jobs were becoming scarce, things like that, and a lot of people were riding the train rails at the time. That's right, these happened in Louisiana, not Kentucky. I'm gonna have to cut that out. No, there's another one that happened in, it's either Kentucky or Arkansas. Like, there was all sorts of murders happening on these towns that all were close by the rail lines. Ah. From Kentucky to Arkansas, there were some out west, some down in uh, Louisiana, some in the middle part. But the thing that they all had in common was they were by a railroad. Interesting. And with some of the cases like, um, I cannot remember the family's name at the moment and I forgot to write it down, but basically a whole family and their children were slaughtered along with some of the neighbor's children who were staying the night. Mm -hmm. And it showed that whoever had killed them had stayed in the house and ate food and drank a drink and all while they were there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would make sense if he was riding the rails for him to, you know, crash there for a little while. And then leave once, you know, the bodies were discovered. Right. So, I mean, that's my story, and I find it, in, like, extremely creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. To think that you were being stalked for months and weeks before you were murdered, and then they still stuck around your house. Mm-hmm. So. That's fun. Yeah. It's loads of fun. <laughs> Everyone should experience it. Woo! <laughs> so, what is your mystery? Your okay, kidnapping? So, yes. Okay. So, I also did one from the 1920s. Oh. And I found most of my stuff from an article by Addison Nugent on Aussie.com, an article by Renee Reeves on Morbidology, Wikipedia, and I heard this story on Two Girls, One Ghost. Uh-huh. But, you know, they do more of the, like, paranormal the supernatural aspects. side of it, yeah. Yeah. So, continuing on my theme of unsolved disappearances, uh-huh. I chose to look into the disappearance of La Petite Pauline Pickard. <gasps> I just heard something about this the other day. Oh, like, four weeks ago. <laughs> Pauline was being raised in the early 1920s in a rural area of France on a farm. I think they were saying it was near Brittany, France. Well, uh, that is actually the side that faces the channel that goes, like, the channel between it and England. All of that area used to be known as Brittany. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) It was extremely common for children, even very young, to run around their home farm but they always knew to come home when called for dinner. Right. So when little two-year-old, she's two years old, Pauline Pickard did not show up for supper when her mother called. Panic started to set in. Wait, the quick question. And, yes. So a two-year-old was just allowed to roam around outside by herself? Like, no fence or anything? So it's their family property? Yeah. But that's the age that kept showing up everywhere was two years old. But I'm like, who would let a two-year-old just run around? But I I don't know. Hmm. 
You know what? That's fair. History's weird. Yeah, exactly. The community and the police were quick to respond and started searching for the lost little girl, but came up with nothing. And they searched and searched and searched. As time continued to pass with no sightings of little Pauline, theories started to spread that the little girl had been eaten by wild animals, kidnapped by gypsies that had been traveling through the area. But then about three weeks later, news from Charburg came to the family that a little girl matching Pauline's description was found. Dead? No. No. Oh. So Pauline's family was shown a picture of the little girl, and it was said that the mother um, was overcome with joy and relief and started crying and yelling, my daughter, my daughter. Uh-huh. So they see this picture that the police show her, and she's like, oh my god, it's my daughter. So the Pickard parents rushed to Charburg to pick up their lost daughter. But Charburg is like 200 250 miles away from where they live yeah so they're thinking well maybe she was kidnapped and she escaped but she was found walking with an elderly lady um who appeared to be homeless and it was just a whole kind of weird thing but once they met the little girl the pickards were concerned as their sweet pauline didn't appear to recognize them or her siblings or speak the language that the family spoke in the home. Which I'm guessing was Britain? I think so. I, I, yeah. The, la- the language of It was of like Brittany. the local language. Not just like French, it was like the yeah. local. Right, well, I mean, it's kind of like if you go to Wells, they still speak Welsh. Yeah, exactly. Wells. So they like the family still English. spoke French, but they also spoke their local language in the home. And so the question of what happened to their little Pauline didn't face the family as the little girl looked just like Pauline, but had lost weight due to malnourishment. They attributed her lack of remembering them and their home language as a sign of how much trauma she had endured. So they're like, well, you know, she went through a lot being kidnapped and whatever. Probably just forgot. Hmm. Which, truthfully, like, doctors have said, yeah, she could have had, um, Creighton, what's the word where you forget everything? Amnesia? Yeah, they were saying that she could have trauma-induced amnesia. So, while the family continued to adjust Pauline back to her normal life, a body of a small child was found near the Pickard family farm. All right. The body was missing its head, hands, and feet. Like, having been cut off, or? Yes, they were gone. Okay. And it, and there was no clothing. However, the clothes Pauline, little Pauline, was last seen in before disappearing were found folded near the body along with a grown man's skull. Nothing else with the grown man's body, just his skull. Well, I'm going to be honest. You don't really need any other part of the grown man to be there for this to be creepy. Mm -hmm. Now, the Pickard family was more confused than ever, as was the body, was -hmm. the body that they found actually their sweet little Pauline, or was the little girl in the home Pauline? Also, if the body found was Pauline, then who was the little girl in their home? And where did she come from? And also, whose skull was found near the body? All, all these questions are just, you know, floating around. Yeah. So most people believe, and even the Pickards come to believe this, that the body found near the Pickard farm was actually Pauline. Then who's the other little girl? Yeah, they still don't. That's, that's still a question. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there are a few suspects of who called little Pauline who killed little Pauline Pickard. First, 
is an employee of the Pickards who was very fond of Pauline. The article I read made it appear that he was creepily fond of the two-year-old Pauline. It also said he was like an umbrella salesman or something. It was weird. He was an umbrella salesman? Yeah, the, the employee of the Pickards. Were they umbrella salesmen? No, they had a farm. That's why I really don't understand that whole thing. Okay. Yes. I mean... So then another theory is it was a neighbor because basically they had a neighbor confess to killing Pauline, but then was also like immediately after taken to an asylum. Ah, so he may not have been exactly credible. Yeah, but I, I think he did it. If anyone did it, it was probably him. Other people think that it was possibly the father and that he had been doing Har- horrible un- things. Yeah, horrible things to their daughter. Okay. Um, but then again, they also still don't know who the skull was. No idea. Right. And that was a full-grown man's skull, correct? Yeah, like it was a man's skull and that's all they ever found of it. Of him. So, the official, like, ruling of her death was that Pauline had wandered away and froze to death. Hmm. But they're not sure how her body wasn't found when the whole community went searching for her. Right. And then they said that the missing limbs and whatnot were due, probably due to animals, but then other people said, but normally animals would go for, like, the intestines prior to the head and the hands and the feet. Right. Because they go for soft tissue that they can easily eat and feast upon, right? Yeah, and so the assumed theory is that her arms, legs, and arms, feet, and hand, hands, feet, and head were removed so that it, she could not be identified. Well, that's odd because that's definitely like premeditation, at least of the concealing of the body. Or at least that, like, the person regretted it because their neighbor did yell. Let me find the quote. God is fair. I am guilty. Oh. But once again, he was taken to an insane asylum. So Yeah, like the next day. Right. And I that that's the sad thing is I'm guessing we don't know exactly what he was diagnosed with because he probably wasn't diagnosed. Some suggest, and again, this is a 20, so I don't know how much of this is actually true, that it was a traumatic brain injury. Oh. Yeah, but... Psychology still wasn't at the place where it needed to be in those times to accurately diagnose, so it's possible that he was completely innocent. Yeah, and like, people do say that it could have been someone in the family having an outburst and killed her, and who knows. Right, and plus, it is odd that they didn't find the body before then. Um, Yeah, basically, the family decided that the body was actually Pauline. And they buried her in a local cemetery where her parents were eventually buried next to her when they passed. Yeah. Now, the little girl that was found, they sent back to Sharberg because they didn't know who she was. She basically got sent to, like, a nunnery or an abbey. That... (laughs) That sucks. Hey, where are your parents? So she got taken away from whoever she was with. Yeah said, hey, you know, this is actually your family, not the lady that you were walking with. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, we don't want you. Go live with the nuns. Hmm. But she died shortly after that from the measles. Wow. So, that poor girl. Like, she just had a sucky life. 
But she was also like probably under the age of five. Right. So, who knows? I'm still confused about the skull. Hmm. Like, where did the skull come from? I Well, see, I'm kind of confused about how they didn't find the body. Again, I think the body was placed there after the search. No, oh, so like somebody... You're saying that you think the body was like in a closet or something, and then after everybody searched, somebody went out there and threw it in the wood to throw people off the track? Yeah. Hmm. That's possible. Like, I mean, it would have taken them some time to dismember it. Yeah. And then where's the rest of the body? So they had somewhere to stash the stuff. And now, was the head of the man like a skull? Or was it, like, fleshy? It, I think it was said in one of the articles that it looked like um, it had flesh on it at some point in time recently, but animals had consumed it. So it was not as fresh as little Pauline. Oh. So whoever he was, he died before Pauline did. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, that kind of ratchets it up another level. Because that makes you feel there might be a serial killer on the loose. But these were the only, like... No other crimes were connected to these. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's my story for this week. You know, I like that story. I mean, I don't... You know what I mean. I don't like that story, <laughs> but... I was going to say, I don't like that story, but I told it. Right, but no, I find it fascinating because... It's so weird. Right. Ugh. And it was from the 20s, so, like, it's creepy, but it's not, like... Super creepy and super crazy. I mean, it's still pretty fucking yeah, crazy. it's still, like, in the past. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I think we both bought, brought some really, really interesting uh, stories to it this time. That's yeah. still so odd, though. Like, I can't get over the fact that, A, they took someone else a child, and then it's like, oh, what's the return policy? Well, there's more stories like that. Well, right. It it really brought into mind... Um, have you ever seen the movie The Changeling? I know I've definitely heard of it. I'm not positive that I've actually seen it all the way through. I mean, basically, it is this absolutely batshit crazy story based on true events of a mother who was having to work back in, well, the 1920s. And... She had to, like, she got called in for a shift one day, and she had to leave her son at home. And mm -hmm. while she was gone, her son got kidnapped. Yeah. And um, he was taken away somewhere, and she didn't know what had happened to him. So she called the police, and she asked them to find her son. And, like, months went by. And finally, the police called her and said, Hey, we have found your son. He's in... Mississippi, I think. And okay. so they paid to have him brought out on a train and reunited with her. And when he gets to the train station, she goes, that's not my son. And they go, yes, it is. It's your son. And she keeps telling him, hey, that's not my son. But they force her to go home and, uh, and take care of this child. And they call in all kinds of researchers and everything. 
And then you find out the police know that this isn't her son. But they were trying to look good because it was the LAPD. Uh, Right. And they were into some shady shit back then. And um, so she goes about her day, like with this kid in her house. And finally, she gets locked in an insane asylum. Because they're saying that she's neglecting her kid. When she keeps saying it's not her kid. And in the end, it turns out that her son had been murdered in the chicken coop murders. So I think this is the one that I was thinking about. And, like, there was another family who thought it was their kid. And then the guy ended up doing a, um, like, not the guy, but a different family ended up, um, like... No, that's the Bobby Dunbar case. That's his name. Yes! Yes, Yes. Bobby Dunbar. So a distant relative, like, one of his grandsons or something did a DNA test to see which family he actually belonged to. Mm Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the Dunbars. He wasn't a Dunbar. Right, no, he was like someone else's kid they had found and taken. But, like, he... His case was less malicious. Like, they didn't know they had the wrong child. But Changeling... No, but they went through court cases and took this child away from its actual family. Right. And they assumed the Dunbar child was actually also killed in the chicken coop murders. Do they? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that's why I thought that's the one that you were talking about. It, they can't confirm it, though, because... To be fair, I mean, it may it may have been the story that I was thinking of, but I do know that, like, the, the Dunbars were never, like, taken to an insane asylum. I think that that might have actually been, like, a story that was sensationalized and mixed, like, several stories together to create the changeling. Yeah, we probably just mixed a whole bunch of stories together. Yeah, probably. So, if you want to tell us we are wrong, you are free to do that on Twitter or our email. Or on Instagram. Oh yeah, you can you can give us a shout out going, you're a phony, on our Instagram if you want. We don't care. I'll probably respond to it. Yeah, I mean, you'd be the first one to respond on any of them, so chances are you'll get a response from one of us living people. All the links will be in the um, description box below. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week, guys. We hope you enjoyed our mysteries. And we'll see you next week. Or the week after. Oh, yeah. I forgot this is a bi-weekly podcast. (laughs) Well, Well, hopefully, eventually, it'll be a weekly once we figure out how to edit faster. Right. Because, turns out, me and Allie suck at editing. But... We're here for you guys, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. We also have full-time jobs. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye.